So, Lucy, how's the book going? It is almost maybe close to done. (laughs) This is right for me, right for you. And we're definitely going to write a book this year. Right, Lucy? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So NaNoWriMo is officially over, and congrats to everyone who completed their word goal, whatever that word goal was. Congrats to everyone who started it and didn't complete the word goal, because you still got some writing done. And congrats to everyone who decided to not do it, because it wasn't a good idea for them to do it. (laughs) That is good (laughs) thinking, and you are also very valid. Yes, and anyone who did start and did not finish, remember, like I always say, you probably got more done this month certainly on that specific project than you would have otherwise. So that's something. Yeah, I'm definitely in that category. I did start NaNo and then, as I mentioned last time, ended up with a comic script I needed to finish. And that needed to have like all my writing brain went to that one 22 page comic script (laughs) because I had to do like pitch stuff for it too. So it was more (laughs) than 22 pages of writing. Um, How about you? Did you complete NaNo? Well... I wish I could say I did. <laughs> it, it looked like at one point I was going to, but I did not. <laughs> you got really close though, right? I got really close. I think I made it to 40,000 words. Um, what was happening is I was actually like, this year more than most years, I was really keeping close to that word count. Um, but early in the, the, well, I guess mid-month, I got a couple days behind, which normally wouldn't be anything. but. Um, at the end of the term i had a final literally like the day after the month ended and um i was not prepared for that (laughs) like i was prepared for the final but like i think if either one of those two delays had not happened i would have been fine like i could have weathered one of them and if i'd done a better job of completely recovering from the first one i probably could have like i could have gotten ahead if I had not had one of those things happen. So it just, it is what it is. Um, there was a point where I had to be like, okay, if like, you shouldn't, you don't need to stress about this anymore on top of the other things yeah. we've done enough. Um, and also kind of the place I was in the story also was not quite a natural, like stopping spot, I guess. Cause I did not quite finish the book. Like spoiler alerts. I am going to be still doing that this month You'll be fine. because it's still, this year it is within our goal yes (laughs) Um, as recording this it is the 4th of december it'll be a little later when it comes up but like it's it's you got plenty of time you'll be fine yeah yeah i am not worried about it i'm really really close like i think i could i think i could round out the manuscript itself at pretty much any time which was one of the problems i kind of ran into is i was hitting this point where i could either like push it to the end or like start going back in and like adding more scenes and stuff but like it i don't know it wasn't quite as straight of a trajectory anymore at the point i was because um people who've been listening for a while may remember what i did with this nanorimo was i started with about like twenty five thousand words of a uh novel I had been working on and then was going to add another 50,000, you know, for the NaNoWriMo project, which is still about right. But it meant that like, 
I don't know, my kind of balance about where that ending was falling got a little weird towards the end of that goal. And I think that kind of contributed to throwing me off because I didn't have like a, like it, it almost was me trying to pad it a little. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I mean, we'll talk more. I need a little distance before we talk about all the things we're going to do to our manuscripts next year. And I mean, I haven't even finished it completely, so I don't want to think too much about that. <laughs> no, but... you need to get to the end before we go back and edit. We have promised ourselves this. This is the <laughs> yes. one like rule that we're really making for ourselves is like, okay, we're going to finish it. And then and then next year is the year of editing. Like, that, <laughs> that is where we're at. Yeah. Yes. The year of editing and hopefully querying. We'll see. Yes. It'll should be a fun year but um so i guess quickly we can kind of talk about like our goals for the rest of the month the rest of the year you know same thing at this point <laughs> um the joys of december, december. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so personally my goal is pretty easy i want to finish that manuscript um however much longer that will take we'll, we'll see and then i have that other project that i keep lamenting it being unfinished and I would really love to finish it because it's also really close and it has a much clearer trajectory I just need to sit down and do the damn thing and it was kind of my my nugget I was like when you finish your book for NaNoWriMo you can finish this project and so it's still kind of my nugget um that I'm I'm kind of saving for when I finish this project um so those are my like solid novel related goals for December what are your kind of like creative writing goals for the rest of the year? I need to finish revisions on this script so that it can be sent off to the IP holder for um, like the final go ahead. Um, and then it's out of my hands and my brother has to draw it. <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> to not be the one <laughs> drawing my own script. I've never had that experience. So I'm just like, yeah, this is great. Um, other than that, I have a list of of edits that I know I need to make to my manuscript from this year. Um, and I'm going to sort of like work on that list a little bit, like adding things from a couple different beta readers' responses. Um, so they just, I have like a good like concept of what I need to work on for next year while I'm still this close to it. Cause I'll get other ideas as we, as we're like, as I get a little farther. But at this point, I'm like, okay, I want to know like, what everyone was thinking about and just compiling this information while it's fresh in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, it's still kind of new and all your people have recently read it and everything. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I definitely have some picture book manuscripts that I need to look at again <laughs> and, and maybe do a little bit of drawing for. But yeah, that's basically, that's where I'm at. That's like, what can I humanly do in this month? Oh, probably mostly work on the on the script that needs to be done. And it like it should be done by the time this podcast goes up. I will probably be done with those edits. Um, but there's still like it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> As, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Especially when you're writing for like that kind of immediate feedback of of an editor of like the editor actually going in and saying, cool, this works and this doesn't. Let's fix this part and then it could be worked on. Like that's it's a very like there's there's nothing luxurious. There's no like time to sit back and think about it. It is very it requires a lot of focus. And the more I have to focus on something, the more my brain has to recover afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And there's there's something much different about trying to get out the first draft of something and then trying to get out the final draft of something. And definitely that's a problem for next year for most of our projects. Yes, but. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we talked a little bit about like our immediate fiction goals, but I don't know. With all of the the no- November stuff, we kind of wanted to, to launch into the topic of today, I guess, because um, I've I kind of come out of November like extra hyper aware of all the writing I do in a week, and obviously, you know, some of that is novel and fiction writing, but. I also do a lot of other writing that I kind of just don't think about as much and don't have the same like level of like goals around and like you know importance in my mind. Yeah, it didn't um, it didn't add up to your nano word count, so it's easy to dismiss it and then you realize that wow, that's where so much of my actual writing came in, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of that doesn't get talked about when you are thinking about um stuff like writing goals and stuff because I mean obviously Usually a writing goal, you're kind of referring to a specific project, but I think it's easy to kind of like not give ourselves credit for all the writing we actually do do in a a day or a week. And yeah, I thought it would be good to kind of talk about that, especially as some of us are going into like maybe some vacation time or, you know, getting over NaNoWriMo so on to the next project. Like it's good to kind of like appreciate the like daily and weekly writing that happens, you know, all all through our, our year. Yep. And since you were just talking about all the script writing, I have to ask more about that because this is the thing I haven't done much. I took like a script writing class in college and did really enjoy it, but it was, well, for one thing, it was like film, um, which I imagine is different. Um, and also that was 10 years ago. We'll say 10. Yeah, about 10. <laughs> yeah. Well, script writing is a little different from novel writing because you're kind of working from an end result that's going to have a visual and whether or not you're very keyed into the visual side of what you're writing towards, it's it's present. Like, you are describing – you're not ma- writing a description in order to, like, make a world come alive in somebody's head. You're writing a description to give someone a concept of, like, what the set dressing is supposed to be. Like, where where is this in space? What is somebody else going to either draw or uh, shoot with a camera, right? Mm-hmm. So – Obviously, like screenwriting for film or script writing for plays have a whole lot of their own conventions. Like there's just, you know, like there's an entire it, it's it's an entire kind of writing and it has a format that have like all of these specifics that you need to follow because those are industry standard and will be understood across, you know, across the country, across different cultures, even um, that that's just what a script looks like. And it's a little different with comics where there isn't a specific uh standardized format Hmm. and of course like with theater with theater or film some there are like major differences in what is in a script because for any kind of screenwriting there is going to be a just a hint it's it's frowned upon to do too much of this but just a hint of you telling them about what you think the shots might be like you don't want to do too much of like oh it's a close up on his face blah 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 but you want to do like a little bit of that you want to leave room as a screenwriter for thinking about the shots like the camera moves that are going to be involved for a play obviously that does not exist because the camera is not a camera it is people's eyes as they sit in an audience watching it and you know that they're always going to be able to see whatever is on stage but you still need to write some amount of stage direction all of that stuff is an entire skill set above and beyond being able to tell a story largely through dialogue or written in visuals like that's a lot um for comic scripts again there isn't a set format uh maybe some some industry companies like might have something specific that they use that like a format they want people to run to but i've never seen it and infamously 
you're just you're just blundering into a script hoping <laughs> you can use a lot of the language of screenwriting, but not all of it, because even though comic panels are kind of like camera shots, they don't move and time isn't frame by frame. Like many, many moments can take place in one comic panel or it could be a split second, unlike a frame of film where it is a, like it's whatever, 24 frames per second or 30 frames per second, depending on how nuts your frame rate is. Um, <laughs> like, this is a little different. So thinking about all of those things while you're working on this story is mind-bending. Um, and when you're writing a script for yourself, you are really just making notes, reminding yourself what kinds of things you envisioned. Like, here's what I think you're going to do in the future, me. Um, when you're writing a script for somebody else, you have to be way more explicit or else your script might be incomprehensible. You know, you might have had, you know, a bunch of dialogue and then the next page they're somewhere else completely and you need to make sure you indicate well, what were they doing during that during that dialogue? Like, where did the emotional beats happen in here? And how are we transitioning to the next page? Like, you really can't just leave a couple wry, jokey notes to yourself. You have to make that come across more clearly while knowing that all of that kind of prose writing that you're doing is not going to be on the page. There's just any, it's just captions. If there's any narration or dialogue, that's all that's going to be visible. Everything else is just for communication. So it's interesting because a lot of the writing we're going to be talking about in the rest of this podcast today is writing for communication as opposed to writing for storytelling. And one thing about script writing is that there's a lot of writing for communication. The storytelling is often happening like between the lines as opposed to it within the prose. And it's a really different thing from prose writing and a little nuts to wrap my head around. Like, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of last year doing script writing, or maybe it was the year before time, I don't even know what time is. But when I wrote the script for my graphic novel, like it took it was a couple months of like, wrapping my head around that kind of writing. And then it was really refreshing to get to write a prose novel because I think that I think in prose more than in writing for communication, because I'm because mm. I'm a weirdo who read too much as a child. So like my <laughs> brain just wants to be in prose mode. So writing for communication is actually a little tricky for me. And I know for some people it is the opposite, where script writing feels really natural for them because they can just tell you what to draw and they can just tell you what they think is happening in the scene without trying to make it come alive in your mind through evocative language, which is an entire other skill set that is not something <laughs> every artist necessarily has verbally. Like, why would you need to? Not everyone has to be able to do this. Um, and we forget that that everyone is sort of forced by society, by school, to do a lot of writing. And we forget that that's not exactly the same thing as what, like, the artistic side of prose writing actually is. On the other hand, you also need to have more than just the ability to write for, for communication to write a script. You also have to, like, I don't know, have a good idea for what's going to happen in your script. And that's hard, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like... So I have like a writing background in like an educational sense, like my degrees are in writing. And you basically, if you come out of school with a writing degree of any kind, you're basically told you have two professions. Uh, you can go into teaching, which is what most people expect and ask you about. So many people. Or more recently, at least for me, 
people will tell me to go to, into marketing, which funny enough is what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but I do find that the kind of like you were saying, the writing in marketing, like the communication type of writing is very, very different from like the po the prose writing. And I, I, I almost said like creative writing, but you can be very creative and probably should be in, in writing, you know, the more communication marketing copy, especially marketing copy where it is actually going to be like front facing as opposed to kind of what you were talking about where you're, you're communicating like with the author, I mean, with the, with the artist and um, the editor, but it's not going to, that's not going to remain, you know, as something that's going to be seen by an audience, whereas marketing, you're literally, you know, trying to communicate to an audience. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very, very different type of thing. Like marketing writing, especially is a, it, you have to be so concise. Yes. You, ha you have to kind of tell a story within like an ad, basically. So that could be, you know, a quick narrative in like a, you know, a film ad of some kind, like, you know, some something cinematic, or it could just be like one graphic. <laughs> yeah. And that's very different. And I mean, I, I have a little bit of experience with that from work. Um, but also, and it, it's sort of a weird thing that fits in to this kind of is writing for blogs. And when I had a job in which I did that, that was part of my marketing job was um, blog posts. But when we write like personal blogs, it doesn't feel like we're doing a work of marketing. It feels like we're doing a work of like, you know, original creation, which I mean, we are. Uh, but it's kind of like a weird balance. And and a lot of blogs really, especially at this point, yeah, even writer blogs are really more about marketing and like creating an ongoing conversation than they are about like, their purpose is more to sell a book someone has written or, you know, build an audience for some other media that someone is producing yeah. than they are the media themselves. Yeah, which is exactly what an ad is. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the thing about all of social media right now is that there is this huge amount of people writing constantly. And that writing is it's this very writing for communication thing. But a lot of what you're trying to communicate is basically an ad. Because um, I was thinking about that, like you have a blog where you are doing these in-depth episode analysis of old on high school <laughs> school up episodes because you love it. But it's and it's a little bit of a writing sample and it's a little bit of just like practice. But it's something that you really care about. It's not particularly written to just like advertise your services as a media analyst or whatever like <laughs> that's not exactly what it is but there's a bit of like some of the writing for communication has to kind of be snappy and written so that again it can draw somebody in with your voice and everything like that mm -hmm. and i know that for me like i don't so much have a blog but I am always putting artwork out into the world and I am terrible at advertising it. I'm really bad at advertising voice. I'm really like, I like to tell long form stories, not short snippets. I'm not super hip. I don't move <laughs> quickly. And I find social media very, very exhausting and stressful. So that is part of why I am not the one who tends to helm our Twitter account. <laughs> that is Lucy. <laughs> you should be grateful for Lucy because it is not me. Um, 
but it does mean that when I'm trying to write, like a lot of the writing I do in a week is trying to write about my artwork in a way that is enticing people to, I don't know, buy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that has been a, a 10 year journey of trying to figure out how to not feel completely bizarre while I do that, but also actually doing it because I kind of have to, there's sort of no way around it. Um, so there's a lot of like, for me, it's like, well, I don't write a lot of blog posts, but I write a lot of Etsy product descriptions and they (laughs) tend to be a little bit like i'm trying to have it be remotely like my own voice but also being aware that i'm not talking to necessarily a friend who i know i'm talking to somebody who doesn't know what i'm doing and sometimes i am trying to communicate in a slightly insidery kind of way um especially if i'm making a piece of artwork that i know is very niche i may be able to speak directly to that niche um so that's like an interesting thing like wow a lot of my writing is that like a lot of it is trying to find a caption that is engaging and funny and not demanding or pathetic or needly like boy there's a lot of bad feelings that go into making art and it's hard to like remove that from your ad copy basically to like view your work as like okay what if i'm a person who likes this work that i'm making what would i say about it to tell to tell a friend that maybe they should pick it up for their office like boy that's a very strange way to have to think about your work when you're an artist who is really just very focused on making the work um and it's definitely a place where, like, the writing side of me and the art side of me, they clash a little bit. It's a little little messy there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's always kind of – there's going to be some tension there. I remember in my – the classes I took on, on marketing books um, in my publishing degree, we talked a lot about how the job of marketing is to find someone who has a need for something and someone who has a way to fulfill that need and – get them to find each other. And so it's 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 I think a, a less, you know, soulless way of thinking of marketing than I think yes. some people when you hear about marketing will think about it. Like it's not really the madman like yeah. well, <laughs> format. The, I mean the problem of course is that it's also about telling people there's a need when there isn't one and telling people that you can solve that need that isn't real. And that is yeah. the secret of the other side of marketing. <laughs> Yeah, but no, ideally, true, but... ideally, you're trying to you're ideally things are being made because people want them and need them. And all you need to do is like tell people how to like, hey, this is a great product. This is a wonderful service. This is a really cool piece of art that you might like if you like these things. Like Those things don't feel terrible. It was oh, my God. It was funny because, I don't know, we watch a lot of random stuff on YouTube and we've been getting so many more ads recently and it makes us want to die because um, I don't like ads. But then I got an ad for a Nerf gun and I was like, thank you. <laughs> I would. I am actually so happy to have somebody try to sell me a toy because at least it was a physical object and not like GoDaddy trying to sell me a sense of well-being for using their web hosting service, which is just like, I get that people need that sense of well-being. I don't want a web host to try to convince me that they will make me feel good in COVID times for using them. I'm like, that is dumb and not true. But this Nerf gun? (laughs) Very cool. I actually love this Nerf gun and I'm considering buying one. I don't like guns, but I like Nerf. So give me, give me this beautiful, beautiful Nerf gun. Like, oh man, I never got to play with Nerf Nerf guns or water guns. So I would love if we had some sort of like Nerf war. Oh, that sounds great. (laughs) 
maybe that's we can, a, we can schedule that for post pandemic nerf war yeah like also it. like you we could socially distance that we could be on either side of a very very big backyard like we can do this yeah. this can happen i might yeah. wait for it to not be zero degrees outside because it's really yeah cold right schedule now. that for spring <laughs> yeah no i love this okay okay putting that on our agenda for next year um <laughs> of course what other kind of writing do we do lucy uh we do a lot of podcast writing we do. Uh, less for this. This podcast is kind of more low maintenance, I guess. Yeah. Not that we don't put work into it, but this we don't heavily script. We kind of just have an outline that we, you know, have check-ins and then we kind of have a main topic and we, you know, write out our intro and some talking points, but it's pretty minimal as far as the scripting goes. But our other podcast, Clampcast in Wonderland, which is kind of like a retrospective of the works of um, comics group Clamp from Japan, that one we heavily script, yes. especially now in this time of COVID when we are doing it remotely. We used to script a little less heavily when we were recording in the same place. Uh, but now it's so easy to, to talk over each other because we can't see yes. each other. <laughs> and we could do this on camera, but we don't. <laughs> and even then there's lag. So yeah, it's we not find perfect. it much easier. <laughs> we find it much easier to... to heavily script out what we're doing and we do a lot of like summary of plot points in that, those episodes which that can really just easily become a complete mess if we haven't scripted it out before yeah. and if the joke and, yeah if the joke was that we were going to give people a badly recollected version of a story that they know like that's funny but it's not what mm -hmm. we're doing so we need to actually like carefully do writing and it's interesting because it's very much a research writing kind of thing like we're actually yeah. taking we're doing research like primary research and trying to you know also create a narrative within each episode and there's a lot of creative writing as well as that very like almost more scientific type writing where you're trying to write not only for communication but like storing information for the future like really trying to make it something we can go back and look at those episodes and look at the the scripts that we wrote and use that as sort of even like not exactly as a transcript but as something that we can revisit for that information instead of having to reread the volumes which you know takes a lot of time <laughs> yeah and it's quite a balance because there's a lot of, you know, creative prose writing that goes into it because you're wanting to convey a story, but you're also wanting to not do too much um, putting your own bias, too much interpretation yes. in that part. Yes. Because you really want to just convey facts of what happened, but you also want to keep some of the flavor. And I think we've definitely gotten better over it, better in it in the last nine months as we've kind of gotten used to doing it that way. And it, it, it can be really fun and really like, you know, beautiful seems like a stretch, baby, but really like rewarding, I guess, yeah. to to walk that balance of, you know, describing things in a in a way that you find pleasing, but while trying to stick as close to the, you know, the bare facts and, you know, the the clear emotional notes that are in there without, yes. you know, adding your own interpretation. And and that's a special different type of writing and one that um, that has really helped me improve and then take into the analysis I do on my blog, which my blog is also sort of a, a mishmash of other things too, which is sort of good and bad. It's a, it's an ongoing journey. It's fine. <laughs> it's all very media analysis-y though. Like, so it, it yeah. fits very neatly into this. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. We're like kind of bringing together some of these topics because we are in, in our other podcast analyzing and discussing a comic uh, we have to also talk about the imagery. So when we tell people like, oh, here's what happened to the story, we can't always summarize text. 
especially since it, you know, this is a, a translation from Japanese anyway. So we know that there's always going to be, it's like a little shaky to be really, really focused on the exact wording because the exa- it isn't the exact wording, <laughs> except for the times <laughs> yeah. where we can talk about the original wording. Um, but a lot of the time it's like, yeah, we need to be able to talk about the visuals and what the visual is trying to communicate and reading action sequences or like really heavily decorative sequences in comics where they're trying to show like something supernatural or larger than life happening. It can be actually very tricky. It's not always easy. It's like you realize that people are interpreting imagery differently. And um, boy, that's been a really cool thing to be breaking into even more as we do that podcast. And I think about how it's probably a little easier with like live action film because you're pretty sure people had to actually do those things and there's probably words for what's going on. And even if you misinterpret it, probably somebody can tell you what's happening. With a drawing, sometimes it isn't clear. Um, Sometimes it is more emotional than it is literal. And that can be kind of an interesting thing for us to try to interpret. But it also means, again, that there is room for some actually like very creative writing to go in there when we can't help it there is no way to not bring our own bias into it. You know, like no matter what we do, there's going to be a little bit of our interpretation because the artwork is ambiguous enough to be interpreted in different ways. Yeah. And that's cool. You have to make a judgment call at some point. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a really, like that has been a way that the podcast writing feels like it's not just research and writing for, for communication, but does feel like there's, there is a level of like adaptation going on there which is definitely definitely creative writing yeah and definitely not a thing i would have thought of when like previous to this if i thought about what writing one would do for a podcast aside from like a narrative podcast obviously but yes yeah so that's that's been a journey and then i think kind of the the last type of writing at least that we're going to talk about today is just kind of the like everyday writing that kind of goes on unannounced and there's occasionally discourse about how like oh the youths of today are not getting writing training like they used used to or whatever and i think people forget that we do more writing on a daily basis as a culture now than we ever have before like reading and writing is, is much more prominent like at any given time you look at someone and they're maybe they're watching videos on their phone but frequently they're reading or at least reading a combination you know like there there is text accompanying images and and we encounter that a lot and we produce that a lot even if you know you're not people like us who are actively like trying to have some sort of writing career or you know of of, of either kind you know communicative or um you know fictional or, or whatever it's a thing that we as a society do a lot of and it's really easy to to forget about that yeah i mean we brought up social media because in the sort of longer form thing, even even Twitter is blogging, right? Like we mm-hmm. we've hit the point where the word blog is maybe becoming passe because some of the new formats are just so different from how it started. But it is definitely yeah. the same thing. It's microblogging, um, <laughs> right? But also just emails and texts and all of this other communication that we do. That especially when you can't just walk down the hall to the other person in the office or the other person on site, especially when a lot of things need to be in writing because you're you're remote or some of your of your coworkers or friends or family are remote. Um yeah, like absolutely we're doing an incredible amount of writing. Um I think that for me, 
I writing emails takes so much uh, energy for me because I'm trying to have a response that actually responds to all of the points that were given to me. I'm trying to, you know, like not just blow somebody off, but actually give them a, a measured, thoughtful response. It can take me days to actually do what I need to do. And if it's an action item like from my editor or somebody where I need to immediately answer, that has to take precedence. And it may, I mean, that and like inquiries from customers um, for, you know, like for my art business, like those have to take a lot of precedence. So sometimes like somebody writing in to try to have an interesting conversation with me or a friend catching up, sometimes that gets put off a lot and that can be really sad. But it's still like those every like that's a lot of writing that I do. It is definitely hundreds or thousands of words a day of writing mm-hmm. emails. Um and I think we were we were talking about like, yeah, what other kinds of everyday writing is there? And yeah, those kinds of like official communications right? Like we say email, but we can mean all kinds of things. They're everything from from correspondence, right? Like what letters would have been and still are for people <laughs> who write letters, right? But also like the, again, the, the official communications that you need to have in whatever, like for your job or like for any reason that you need to talk to something where like information has to be preserved and you have to be able to like communicate about all kinds of technical and important things. Um, we were talking about like, man, grant writing is another one mm-hmm. that some people do an incredible amount of writing and it is grant writing or any other kind of project proposals, like that kind of stuff. Like, man, I think about how like when I'm working on a pitch, a lot of it is creative writing. You're writing outlines and and you know character descriptions and all of this like kind of pre-script writing or pre-novel writing kind of material. But then there's just some amount of it is very project proposal-y. Where you're saying like I think it'll be about this many pages. I think it'll take me about this much time. You know, like that all of that very technical stuff. Like boy, that takes ages to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there's just so much writing that we do on a day and in a week, and it obviously doesn't get counted the same way that NaNoWriMo does. Although I would be interesting, I would be interested to see if someone had an app or something that was like like the screen time app, but you know, writing time app or something that yeah. calculated how much you know how much actual you know word you produced in a day. Yeah, Lucy, like a step counter, but it's a, a key press counter to see how much writing, how much like typing you do. Like yeah. that's what I want is a word tracker, like a step like a step counter. Like that's what I want. Yeah. That would be one of those things that can connect between like your phone and your computer and like your tablet or whatever so that it's it's actually you know, gathering data from all the places where you do writing because it's not just sitting down at a computer and writing. Like there's a lot of stuff we do just on the fly. It's just interesting to think about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, all that said, I think it's time to get back to writing. Okay. I'll make you a deal. If you write for me, I'll write for you. Deal. Happy writing. (laughs) 